Thank you. Welcome to the show. Hi, Lisa. Anybody else join us? Yeah, join us. Uh, really, I want to talk today about, uh, you know, a quick hit about the horrifying racist terrorist attack in Buffalo, New York over the weekend and what it all means. You know, on Saturday, there was a, as a lot, I'm sure everyone knows, there was a terrible slaughter in Buffalo, New York. An 18-year-old kid drove over 200 miles to a majority black neighborhood to extract shoppers at a, at a, a Topps market there. You know, he specifically targeted black Americans and killed 10 people. Horrifyingly, he lives for the entire thing and left a 180-page manifesto largely cribbed from the New, New Zealand mosque attacker. And let's face it, it was a terrorist attack, period. A terrorist attack on fellow Americans. You know, he made clear he was doing it because he was a white supremacist. And he, supremacist. And he'd been following this disgusting, racist, great replacement theory, uh, that uh, white replacement theory, that minorities are replacing the white race because they're having more children. And then on top of that, the Democrats are encouraging it through immigration. But let me, let's be very clear. This, after this year, you know, this long year of propaganda about critical race theory and how it was making people feel guilty and we had to stamp it out of our classrooms, you know, we have to be very, very clear. Only one racial theory is killing people in America, and that's white replacement theory, not critical race theory. WRT is the only thing that's killing Americans. The other stuff is just to divert us. Now, the thing about this is, and and, and, and Talia Levin, ha, ha, Levin has a great uh, piece up on Rolling Stone, if you, if you can see it. I put a, I'll put a link up in the, in the links uh, page of this ch- the show here if you want to check it out. Uh, but on Rolling Stone, and she talks very clearly. She says, look, this was not a lone wolf attack, okay? This, what his thoughts are right now are mainstream, mainstream Republican thought at the moment. We have to be very clear about this, that this idea that whites that are being replaced is being bandied about from everywhere from Steve Bannon and Alex Jones, Jack Posobiec to Tucker Carlson right on Fox News every night. And on top of that, you have Lee Stefanik, who's getting hit pretty hard right now because she was running Facebook ads specifically talking about the fact, and, and her ads, and I'll, I'll, if, you find me, if you follow me on Twitter at FP Wellman, I've put, I've, I've put some screenshots up, but specifically talks about how the Biden administration plans to give amnesty to 11 million illegal immigrants so they can go on the voter rolls and replace us. That is coded language for the white replacement theory, okay? That's what they're saying. This is the number three person in the Republican Party in the House saying these things. And she's not alone in this. It's been said by everyone, like I said, mentioned Tucker Carlson and, and hundreds of them. And that's what they're saying when they say that. And so this is being broadcast. And I'm telling you, the reason I bring this up is I was talking to a candidate's team today. And, and there's some hesitancy, I think, in some of the political circles and some of the Democratic circles to really go after this. And i got to tell you, we have to attack Okay, we have to attack on this topic. We have to hold Republicans accountable for their their part of pushing this idea that they're being replaced, that white people are being replaced, that air quotes Americans are being replaced by others. And look, in my organization, the Beer Hall Project, you know, one of the things we talk about a lot is Hitler's march to power after the Beer Hall Pooch and then his moves towards, you know, power with uh, in, in 1930, he figured out that manipulating the weak Weimar Republic democracy was the key to his power. And a big part of this, we all know from history, was the othering. It was the othering. You see, in the 20s, it was the Bolsheviks and, so he, and, and the Jews, but most of the Bolsheviks. And he unleashed his SA brown shirts to fight with these Bolsheviks and have riots in the streets. And, of course, eventually, you know, all this violence has to be taken care of. And only one people can help them with that, the people who started the violence. 
And this is a playbook that goes back hundreds of years. And that's what we're seeing. And we have to hold them accountable. Now, look, I know this is a really uncomfortable topic for a lot of white people. It really is an uncomfortable topic to have. It's not something we're comfortable. And, and so my background is I am a veteran, 22 years in the Army. And one of the ridiculous euphemisms that you learn in the Army that um, I've since um, walked away from is this idea that you see a lot from, I'm going to say it very bluntly, white leaders, especially white officers. Like They would say, well, you know, I don't see race. I just see green. Every soldier is green to me. I don't see race. And I used to do this. I was one of those guys. I said it. I admit it freely. Um, I, I thought we were all just one army and there wasn't any racism. But the truth is my black soldiers did see racism. My Latino soldiers did see racism. And the only people who did see racism were the people who had that privilege as white leaders and others to say, well, I don't see color. Well, you're alone in that. That's because you're white. Let's be very honest. And so it took me some time. And I'll tell you what, what the time came for me, a real change in my life came. And, and I, I was thinking of this morning on my walk, which is the reason I'm on this quick hit. Thanks for joining. Oh, I see Grant. Hi, Grant. <laughs> so good to see you. Uh, you know, it, it is, it, it, you're right, Grant. Today's essay is The Proud Boys. But what happened to me was several years ago, I was running a PR firm in Virginia. And I got a call one day from a, a doctor, a professor at a, a traditional H, uh, black college, uh, HBCU. And uh, he called and said, hey, uh, I want you to come speak. We're having an Entrepreneur's Day. Uh, we're talking about diversity in business. And I'd like you to come talk about veterans. And I said, okay. And I was walking along. And finally, I kind of hesitated. I said, Stevie, he says, Fred, before you say it, I know you're white. <laughs> you know? I'm like, yes, sir. I am indeed white. He goes, no, I know that. But I want you to come talk about this. Because we, we want to get the veteran perspective. Veterans are a, a, a diverse class as well. And I, and I said, okay, I'll do it. But I got to be honest with you guys. I was really uncomfortable. Um, I really hadn't delved into too much of the issues surrounding our uh, race issues. I hadn't, I'd never spoken to a crowd uh, at an HBC or anything. It was, it was uncomfortable for me as a white male. I admit this. I, I'm embarrassed to admit this, but I'm being honest. And so I reached out to a West Point class of mine, a guy named Ron Steptoe, who is just a, just a remarkable guy, one of my favorite people, and it may even be his wife on board here. <laughs> and, uh, and Ron, I called Ron, and I said, Ron, look, I'm really comfortable. I've been invited to speak uh, at this HBCU um, about diversity, and I don't know. And Ron, to his credit, um, really walked me through why I had to, why that myself as a CEO of a company, a person who had truly had benefited living, I lived in a country club subdivision, okay, folks? If you know St. Louis, Missouri, I lived around one of the snooty country clubs when I grew up. I, I was not rich, but we were certainly not poor. Um, I went to West Point for free. I mean, I had some certain privileges handed to me. And, and Ron was very good at, at delicately walking me through why I had to see my privileges and why I had to be an ally, why it was up to me as a white person to be an ally to our black brothers and sisters, and how we could do that. As he pointed out so clearly, you know, Martin Luther King had LBJ, and, who was himself a, a past racist, but they did great things together. And so it really was humbling for me, and I'm very, very blessed to have friends like Ron and his wife, Lisa, who kind of coached me. And I tell you, guys, I'm, I'd love to tell you this amazing story. How about I girded myself, I went up to Maryland, and gave this, gave this stem wine of her speech. Truth is, I didn't. <laughs> I think I still blew it. You know, I'm not, I was so nervous, right? And, and I admit it. I mean, it could have been better. I, I, don't, I don't think I did that great. Hopefully, they didn't record it. But I'll tell you, I did walk away with a lesson. I said, you know what? I don't know what is going on. I don't see this perspective. I've been blessed not to have to deal with it. I have to learn more. And I did. And I stepped on a journey to learn more. And then I moved to Richmond, Virginia, you know, the seat of the Confederacy. And I was in Richmond when the entire protest broke out, the BLM marches after George Floyd, 
George Floyd's horrible murder. And I, I purposely went down and I sat in the crowds. I listened to the speakers. Um, they did an amazing thing around the Lee Monument there in Richmond where they, they, they ended up turning it into a public space, a square. And they had concerts and they had speeches uh, and they had booths set up. And I, I involved myself in that as a man of privilege, as a white man in his 50s, a grandpa for God's sake. And I learned so much. And I learned that we have a duty to be allies to our partners. We cannot run away from the fact that 10 of our fellow Americans, 10 Americans, were murdered while grocery shopping because of the color of your skin, because of this idea of white replacement theory infected this young man. And today I saw Senator Tim Kaine, whom I, I really love Senator Tim Kaine. Don't get me wrong. He was my senator in Virginia. But Senator Kaine tweeted out that this is horrible, racist. He had his great tweet. And in the tweet he goes, social media, big tech must be held accountable for this hatred being spread. And I, and I kind of went off on him. You know, I really kind of went off. It's like, no, no. The problem is hatred. The problem is mainstreaming of racism by our opponents who are using this as a means to power to other Americans and to, and to foment violence. The reason they're not speaking out about the violence is because that was the point, right? They want us to have instability. You, Steve Bannon is freaking giddy right now, okay? This is what he's always wanted. The anarchy is what they wanted. So I worry when I hear Democratic leaders whom I respect falling for the con falling for the diversion, that this was some sort of a, uh, this was because of social media, not moderating their speech. Okay, no. And I'm even a gun, I'm a gun rights advocate. I'm a gun control, gun safety advocate, I would call myself. I don't, you can have your guns, but you know, you got to lock them up. You got to pay for them. You got to get licensed. You should have insurance. But that's a sidebar issue at this point. This was a terrorist attack by a white supremacist who was encouraged by mainstream language within our Congress. This isn't occurring on social media. I, I, I know we want to believe it's all on 4chan, but it's not. It's happening on White Power Hour with Tucker Carlson. It's happening on the two million followers that watch Steve Bannon every single day as he broadcasts from his lair, okay? So to try and blame this on big tech or, or blame this on, for God's sake, video games, um, or music. I mean, I, I'm waiting for the rap music excuse. Some, who freaking knows, you know, these guys. That is what the Republicans do. They deceive us, they divert our attention, and they divide us, okay? And we can't fall. It's the three C's, I call it, okay? We cannot fall the diversion. We have to go. So I'm urging you, if you're involved in politics, if you're involved in, 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 in the Democratic politics, if you've got a candidate you're working with, like I am right now, you've got to go hard on this. You've got to be very direct. They're using this coded language of, oh, I'm, I, Elise Stefanik is still spinning all day today, and we can't let her off the hook. She's saying, oh, no, I didn't mean, I don't, it's not racism. I just, I'm strong on immigration. No, what you said very clear in your ads is we're going to let illegal immigrants come in. By the way, that's not the plan. And they're going to replace us. That is coded language for a great replacement. So, so I wanted to have a quick talk with you guys and just say, look, if you're in the space, if you're, if you're online, if you're participating in these conversations, hold our leaders accountable. Look, I, I love Senator Kane. He's been very good to me. I, I've gone to his veterans dinner many times. They have a little veterans lunch with him and Senator Warner. But in the end, I worry that the Democrats will once again go on the defensive. We must go on the offense. We must make the Republicans explain themselves. We must hold them accountable for encouraging and spreading this disinformation and these lies that are now leading to violence in our streets. We must go on the attack and make them defend their actions because that's the only way we're gonna turn this country around. If we continue to fall for the diversions, if we continue to fall for the bullshit, we'll never pull this thing out. 
So I just want to have a quick talk with you guys. I, I've got a minute, I, I literally like a minute. If somebody wants to ask a question, participate in the conversation. If, if you know how it works on your screen, there's a little phone call thing on the bottom right. If you press that button, the phone you'll you'll come up to the call line, and I can I can take your call, your question. If not, um, I, I I've said I've said my rant, <laughs> and I appreciate you guys being part of this conversation. Um, the show goes on. I'll be doing more of these quick pieces here on call in. We publish after the show onto Apple and Spotify. I'm really excited about Wednesday. If you're new to the show because uh, it's a new show on Wednesday I'm going to have Washington Post columnist Greg Sargent who runs the plumb line he's been all over the new right movement um, that's that's being pushed by Peter Thiel being pushed by JD Vance and these other really like ultra MAGA people um, and he's going to come on the show and talk on Wednesday about that that new right uh, extremist movement which will be really good timing because of course the primaries in North Carolina for Matthew Cawthorn and others and Pennsylvania for Dr. Oz are on Tuesday so we'll have the results by Wednesday hopefully so I think it's gonna be a great show we're, we're doing it at 1 Eastern on Wednesday here on call in live and then of course on Apple so so thanks for joining me for this short quick show I appreciate you guys being far please subscribe to the show Please share the show to your friends. I encourage them to join us live, uh, and I love talking to you guys. With that, have a great day. Um, get on out there. Keep up the fight. The only way we win this fight is we're in the fight now, um, trying to save this country and turn it around. Thanks again. Once again, join me Wednesday at 1.30 Eastern Time with Greg Gardner for another live show. Thanks.